0: Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Revelation, chapter 3, starting at verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Becca and I met at university. And it was an amazing time for the gospel. Many people became Christians. The first time it happened, I suffered a bit of a setback. Because the man I led to Christ... Uh, gave up on following Jesus after a short while. So the second time it happened, I took the man who wanted to become a Christian and together we knocked on my vicar's door. I was afraid I would do it wrong. So I got David Fletcher, the vicar, actually to lead the man to Christ. It was a Saturday evening about nine o'clock after the CU meeting, and David Fletcher wasn't particularly impressed to be disturbed. The next day in church, he told me I should have handled it by myself. But David did invite us in, he made us some coffee, and then I had the privilege of watching the master evangelist at work, and he read us verse 20 of today's Bible reading. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So David Fletcher said to my friend, What is Jesus doing? He's knocking on the door of my life. What must you do then? I must open the door and let him in. Would you like to do that now? Yes, I think I would. And then David led us in a short prayer, something along the lines of, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're knocking on the door of my life. Please come in. Sorry I've ignored you and disobeyed you. Please take charge of my life. Please forgive my sin. Please save me from hell for heaven. And David said, what have you just done? I've opened my life to Christ. What has he now done? He's come in well now you need to stay in touch with him by reading his word and talking to him in prayer it was a beautiful moment I've subsequently come to realize that although this work verse works perfectly for leading someone to Christ Jesus He's actually speaking to Christians. He's speaking to the church in Laodicea. He's talking to Christians and he's saying, why have you closed the door of your life to me? I'm knocking on the door of your life. Won't you let me back in? I want to spend time with you. Maybe that's a word for someone here this morning. You are a Christian, but you haven't been enjoying Jesus. You haven't been spending time with him. You haven't been reading his word. You haven't been in touch with him in prayer. And Jesus is knocking on your door. Won't you let me in? I want to eat with you. This is the final letter of the seven letters that Jesus writes to the seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. Now, there were more than seven churches in Asia Minor. The number seven stands for completeness in Revelation. So when Jesus writes to the seven churches, he is, in effect, writing to the whole church worldwide, throughout history. So we have to listen to these letters and work out where is Jesus speaking to us? Where is he challenging us? Verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea. We've been saying that the word for angel can also be translated messenger, So probably, Jesus is writing to the preacher, to the pastor of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. This is Jesus, the ruler of God's creation. And what Jesus has to say to the Laodiceans comes as something of a shock. The church in Laodicea were probably expecting a word of praise. There's no major heresy in this church, but Jesus' rebuke is stinging, isn't it? This is a word of correction. But it comes From Jesus' heart of love. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Why did we correct our children when they were younger? Because we loved them. Because we knew that if they were allowed to get away with rudeness or some other bad behavior... If we didn't correct it at the time, the problem would only get worse. Jesus disciplines us because he loves us. He wants us to become more like him. So today, Jesus has a word of rebuke and a word of promise. Firstly then, a word of rebuke, verse 15. I know your deeds. That's a shock, isn't it? I know your deeds. Maybe we think nobody knows about how we behave. Jesus says, I know your deeds. I can't hide anything from him. Which is okay, because he loves me he died to be my rescuer Jesus knows all about my sin and he loves to hear it when I come to him with a sorry sorry I said that sorry I did that Sorry, I failed to do the other. Please forgive me, Jesus. Jesus loves to hear prayers like that. He's our Savior. He delights to minister His grace to us. Verse 15 I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. Hot water serves a purpose. We like most of us hot tea, or hot coffee, or hot chocolate, there's nothing better. Or alternatively, if we're particularly thirsty, we might want ice cold water. What you don't really want is a lukewarm drink. Leodicea's neighbor, Hierapolis, was where you went for hot water. There were hot springs there, which were believed to contain healing properties. In Leodicea's other neighbor, in Colossae, well, that's where you went for cold water, Laodicea had no water supply and water was carried on an aqueduct and by the time it reached Laodicea it was lukewarm in the same way says Jesus verse 16 because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold i'm about to spit you Out of my mouth. Jesus finds it disgusting when our hearts are lukewarm towards him. Jesus is not saying, I wish you were either on fire as a Christian or not a Christian at all. He's not saying that. He's not saying to the weak Christian, Who rarely comes to church and rarely prays and rarely reads the Bible? I wish you weren't a Christian at all. No. Hot water is useful and cold water is useful. Jesus wants us to be useful Christians. What he can't stand is tepid indifference. Make a difference for Christ. That's what he's saying. Bring heat where others are going cold spiritually. Bring refreshment where others are spiritually thirsty. But don't just be lukewarm. Maybe we are like the church in Laodicea, verse 17. You say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. Despite the cost of living crisis, we still live in a very rich country with the fifth biggest economy in the world. And maybe some of us are so rich that we feel we don't need Jesus. Laodicea was a bit like that. There was an earthquake in AD 60, And Laodicea was so rich that it refused a grant from the emperor to rebuild the city. One single individual paid for the rebuilding of the stadium. Laodicea had grown rich from the textile industry. It was famous for its black wool and purple cloth. It was also famous as a medical center. There was an eye hospital in Laodicea. Yes, you think you have it all. You do not need a thing. But you do not realize, says Jesus, that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Yes, you have everything this world can offer. But spiritually, you are absolutely destitute. That's Jesus' word of rebuke. But secondly, he brings a word of promise. Jesus is saying that without him, We are spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing. We might have a smart car and a fantastic house and the best clothes, but Jesus says we need to come to him for true riches. Preachers often like to remind congregations, don't they, that you can't take your wealth with you when you go. That's why Jesus said, Do not store up treasures on earth. Rather, store up treasure in heaven. There is wealth that you can take with you to heaven. The wealth of a saved soul. The wealth of forgiveness. The wealth of a relationship with God. And Jesus says that if we want to discover that kind of wealth, we need to go shopping. And we don't need to go to Knightsbridge. We don't need to go to Harrods. We don't need a credit card or a massive bank balance. The kind of shopping that Jesus has in mind here is more like going to a food bank. Because everything Jesus wants us to buy from him is free. Perhaps Jesus was thinking of Isaiah 55. Come to me all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money. without cost in the same way says jesus verse 18 i counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see I alone have the true wealth that you need, says Jesus. I can make you rich. I can give you gold that you can take with you into heaven. I can dress you when you've been shamefully naked. We may buy all our clothes in Savile Row. But before God, we stand naked. He sees us as we really are. He sees beyond the public image. Jesus sees our sin. And he longs to forgive us, to dress us, so that we can stand unashamed, in God's holy presence. Jesus also wants to deal with our blindness. There was a famous high-eye hospital in Laodicea. But doctors there couldn't deal with spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is where you cannot see the truth about God You cannot see the truth of God's word. But if we will come to Jesus, he will put salve on our eyes. He will lift the scales. He will give us spiritual sight and we will see him in his glory. We will see who Jesus really is. We'll see the truth about God. We'll see wonderful truths in God's Word, in the Bible. All of this is available to us if we will only come to Jesus' shop, if we will buy from him Without money, we come to Jesus with nothing in our hands. We come with open palms and we say to Jesus, I have nothing. I have no wealth that I can take with me when I die. I need the riches you have to offer. I need to become rich spiritually. I need the white clothes you offer. I need salve for my eyes. And all the time, Jesus is saying, I love you. Verse 19, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline i want to come in to your life i'm knocking on the door of your life in verse 21 to the one who is victorious i will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as i was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. I wonder where's the grandest place you've ever sat? Before Covid, I was invited to a livery dinner in the city of London. That was pretty grand. I enjoyed it. But look what Jesus is offering here to verse twenty-one. To the one who is victorious. That means the person who is truly trusting in Christ. On our own, we can never be victorious. That is, we can never be victorious over sin. We'd always fail, we'd always fall into sin. But if we will trust in Christ, we're considered to be. In Christ. And what is true of Christ becomes true of us. Christ is victorious. And we are victorious in Him. So the person who is in Christ, who is trusting in Christ, is given the right to sit where? With me. On my throne. That's astonishing, isn't it? I deserve to be at the bottom of the pecking order. I deserve to be in charge of rubbish collection. If I deserve to be in heaven at all, which I don't. But Jesus wants me And you to sit with him on his throne. We shouldn't take this literally. (laughs) We can't all squash onto one seat. But Jesus is teaching a very important spiritual truth. Once we come to Christ, we reign with him. Satan has no authority over us because we reign with Christ. Satan deceives us into giving him authority, but objectively, he has none. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2.6 We are victorious as Jesus is victorious. And as Jesus has sat down with his Father on his throne. This means that when Satan comes around and we're tempted to sin... We're to say, no, I am in Christ. I am seated with Christ. I am victorious in Christ. Satan has no authority here. Well, there you have it, verse 22. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How is your spiritual hearing? Can you hear what the Spirit says to the churches? Remember, what the Spirit says, Jesus says. What Jesus says, the Spirit says. Can you hear God speaking to you today? Can you hear the word of rebuke? Are you hot for Christ today? Are you refreshingly cold? Or are you lukewarm? If so, we need to repent, don't we? Or perhaps you're saying, I'm rich. I don't need a thing. When all the time you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Will you come to Jesus? Will you come for the first time and open the door of your life to Him? Will you come for the umpteenth time? Will you say, sorry, Lord Jesus, that I've been keeping you out. I open the door of my life to you afresh. Please come in and eat with me. I need to buy from you. I have no money, but I need to buy your gold, your white clothes, your salve for my eyes. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm included in your victory. Help me now to reign with you. Thank you that one day I will reign perfectly with you in the new creation. Help me today to reign over sin and Satan and all his demons. Make me right with you, Lord Jesus. Let's take a moment of silence to pray whatever you need to say to the Lord this morning in response to his word. You talk to him now. Father, we come to you this morning in our great need for Jesus. Whether we're brand new to the faith, Or whether we've walked with you for 50 or 60 years. Lord, we need Jesus. And we thank you for him. Thank you that he's dealt with our sin once and for all. And so we open the door of our life to him afresh. And we say, Lord Jesus, Come in. Do your work in our lives, we pray. Minister to us. Glorify yourself. For your name's sake. Amen.